welcome to the Fire Talk with that Fire Geek 921 podcast, a show that discusses topics of concern to the fire investigation community. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Fire Talk with that Fire Geek 921 podcast. My name's Tim York. Again, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast from the ITC in Jacksonville, welcome. I will be at the ITC all week until Thursday after class. I have to leave Thursday night. Please take the time, look me up. I'd love nothing more than to uh, discuss this podcast with you, how you think I can make it better, what you liked, what you didn't like. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. So this podcast is designed to be a forum for the uh, fire investigation community to discuss topics that people have interests in or that I have interests in. To my knowledge, nobody else is uh, doing a podcast like this. I know that the uh, International Association of Arson Investigators has something that they do, essentially talks about their organization. And of course, CFITrainer.net puts out a podcast every now and then talking about uh, what they're up to. So this uh, podcast started as an idea, driving down the road one day and thought that there might be an interest in there being a forum for this conversation. It's designed for there to be an open and honest conversation about topics are of interest to the fire investigation industry. My only concern or my only request is that whenever we have these conversations, that they be professional and respectful. I was asked by my peers as I talked to some of them about uh, this podcast and, and getting ideas and, and trying to see if there was any interest. Question was, how often? Uh, I know we're all busy. Uh, I know I'm busy, but I really want to do this. I think it's important for there to be a forum like this. And so I believe a, a two a month or every other week or and that depends on workload and family commitments and things of that nature. So that may have to be adjusted down a little bit. Initially, the plan is to a month, and we'll see how that goes. The plan is to utilize guests to make this forum more interactive. Could sit here and talk into a mic for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, an episode, and just give you my opinions about everything. Eventually, you'd get tired of listening to me talk and nobody would continue to follow the podcast. So the plan is to use guests that have a specialty or a deeper understanding of a topic concerning fire investigation. And in order to do that, I need to know if there's anybody that's willing to come onto the podcast, take some time out of their busy schedule and talk to me. If you have an interest or you have a topic that you think would be beneficial or that the audience would benefit from, send me an email. My email address is tim at firegeek921.com or on Twitter at firegeek921. And the website is www.firegeek921.com. My name's Tim York. As I've said previously, I began my public safety career as a volunteer firefighter uh, on the coast of Maine in a very small town. Did that off and on for four years. Got hired as a career firefighter in a small city in Maine. I did that for eight and a half to nine years. 
moved on to the, at the time was the Division of Licensing uh, within the Department of Public Safety for the state of Maine, which was essentially the state fire marshal's office. I went there in 99 um, as a construction plans examiner, reviewed construction documents for compliance with the life safety code. April of 2001, I moved into a fire investigator position uh, with the state fire marshal's office in Maine. In April of, or March of 2004, I was promoted to senior fire investigator after obtaining my CFI from the IAAI. And then in July of 2005, I was promoted to a fire investigation supervisor and moved back to Northern Maine where I was born and raised and supervised fire investigations for the office uh, until September of 2015, when I left government service and moved to the Tampa, Florida area, went to work for a private fire investigation company, which is my full-time job. Over those years of doing fire investigations, I've either investigated or supervised the investigation of around 2,000 uh, plus or minus fire investigations. I've been a member of the International Association of Arson Investigators since 2002. And as I said earlier, I obtained my CFI in 2004. A past president of the main chapter of the IAAI, and I'm still currently a member of that chapter. Been a member of the Florida chapter of the IAAI since 2016. And I also have my National Association of Fire Investigators uh, certified Fire and Explosion Investigator Certification, and I received that in 2005. I have a Bachelor's of Science uh, in Criminal Justice Administration from Columbia Southern University. I have my Master's in Public Administration from the University of Maine with a concentration in Public Policy. And I have a PhD in Public Policy and Administration from Walden University with a concentration in Policy Analysis. I've attended numerous seminars went on by chapters, attended the National Fire Academy, the two-week courses, taken uh, CFITrainer.net courses. And uh, that's enough about me. So we've talked about the podcast, the development. Uh, you've heard enough about me. And so this is going to be a relatively short podcast. One thing that I'd like to talk about is the biggest pet peeve that I have in the industry. And that's the lack of the removal of fire debris from fire scenes where the investigator actually makes some determination as to the origin and cause of the fire. I've seen this in both public and private investigations. I'm not going to pick on one side or the other. It happens. Removing fire debris or layering debris or delayering debris, whatever you want to call it. In order to do a complete and thorough and accurate scene examination, you need to you need to do it. That's my opinion, but there is some background to, to support that. Kirk, in 1969, in Kirk's fire investigation, discusses the need to have tools to clear the debris and that rubble is removed to identify low burn. And in 1979, John Carroll, in his Physical and Technical Aspects of Fire and Arson Investigation textbook, mentions that the first problem the fire investigator faces in their pursuit of a cause determination is the removal of fire debris. So 69 Kirk, 79 Carol, 
in the current edition, the 2014 edition of NFPA 1033, which we all know is the standard for professional qualifications for fire investigators, section 4.2 states that a fire investigator's duty during the scene examination includes inspecting and evaluating the fire scene. In section 4.2.6, talks about examining and removing fire debris to check all of the debris for fire cause and potential ignition sources and the preservation of this evidence. And in 4.2.6, subparagraph A in NFPA 1033-2014 edition, it mentions, among other things, debris layering. So that's NFPA 1033, which is the professional qualifications. So to do a fire investigation, you need to be able to do that. And then uh, in, in NFPA 921, which we all know is the guide for fire and explosion investigations in the 2017 edition, section 3.3.125 in the definitions defines layering as, quote, the systematic process of removing debris from the top down and observing the relative location of artifacts at the fire scene, end quote. And in NFPA 921, the 2017 edition, section 18.3.2 mentions that fire scene excavation, including the examination, layering, and removal of debris, and the subsequent reconstruction allows for the observation of patterns on surfaces. So what that means is that if you're not removing fire debris, layering debris, exposing patterns by the removal or layering of this debris, then you're not following the industry standard. And the end result is that you likely will be subject to a challenge regarding your systematic approach or the scientific method. Now, I know many of you out there probably thinking, not on every fire though, right, Tim? And, and I'd say wrong. There are no drive-bys in this industry. I mean, there are, but it's not an appropriate method of fire investigation. Nowhere in NFPA 921 do you see anything that mentions drive-by. And the example that I always think of is the, quote, simple, unquote, kitchen fire, where it's witnessed or essentially witnessed. The person was cooking dinner on the stove, left the kitchen or turned their back for too long. And when they came back, the pan or the pot of grease or bacon or whatever they were cooking is suddenly on fire and it's extending up into the hoods or the microwave hood combo into the upper cabinets and off to the races. And by the time you get there as the investigator, you're either coming in right after the companies or you're coming in days later for the insurance company. Question is, where's the pot and the pan? And very rarely does it stay on the range top. It's normally found in the debris, or it may be on the range top buried in debris. The other question is, where's the range? It's not uncommon to find that the companies have moved the range outside into the garage anywhere. It could, could be anywhere. And all of that, exposing the pot in the pan, uh, disposing what else may have been on the range top that may have assisted in fire spread, uh, identifying the range is all part of the debris removal, the layering process. And you may, if you get lucky and the fire was extinguished soon enough, be able to non-destructively examine the burner control and make some determination as to whether it was on or not. 
You always want to make sure that your fire patterns match your witness statements and that your witness statements match your fire patterns. Fire patterns don't lie. I'm not saying that witnesses lie necessarily, but eyewitness statements are sometimes suspect. What I'm not saying in this is that you need to remove debris outside of the room point area of origin, but you do need to layer debris to the point that you know you're outside of the origin. In this example of a kitchen fire, do you need to remove debris in the garage? Not necessarily. If you're confident and comfortable that the fire originates in the kitchen, then no, I'm not saying that you need to remove the fire debris from the entire house. The end result is that you need to be layering debris, removing debris, delayering debris, whatever, whatever you call it, and don't phone it in. It's important that you conduct your investigation to the standard that's expected. If you work on the public side, the citizens that you serve deserve nothing less. And if you work on the private side, the person that you're there investigating this fire for deserves nothing less. I'm just going to finish this topic up with what I believe NFPA 921 in the 2017 edition gets right. The final two sentences of section 18.3.2.3 states, and I quote, a fire scene investigation normally involves dirty and strenuous work. Acceptance of this fact is essential in conducting a proper fire investigation, end quote. It's absolutely correct. It's hot. It's dirty. It's cold, it's freezing, but you need to conduct your investigation to the standard within the industry. The person that you're there for deserves absolutely nothing less. All right, so enough about that. That's my pet peeve, has been my pet peeve for a very long time. I have many, many, many war stories about that, uh, which war stories are great if they, you can overdo war stories. So I'm just going to leave it at. I've seen it on both the public and the private sector, and it's not appropriate, and it does a disservice to the people that you're serving. My final thought is that as you go about your fire scenes from day to day, whether you do one or you do a hundred a year, you are coming in contact with people who are experiencing what is very likely the worst day of their lives. And as you are meeting these victims, Remember that this is almost routine for us. This is what we do. This is what we get paid to do or what we volunteer to do. And that we follow our own systematic step-by-step process to get us from point A to point B. And that the victims of these fires don't know what their next steps are. And that what we accept as normal is not their normal at all. I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening to the first episode of the Fire Talk with It Fire Geek 921 podcast. I invite all comments, good, bad, indifferent, especially comments that'll provide insight as to how I can make this podcast better. Feel free to reach out to me. My email address is tim at firegeek921.com, on Twitter at firegeek921, and at www.firegeek921.com. Again, thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to episode two. The Fire Talk with that Fire Geek 921 podcast is a production of McCart Cove Consulting LLC, copyright 2019. 
The views and opinions expressed in the Fire Talk with at Fire Geek 921 podcast are those of the host and of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of their employers and of institutions or organizations that they may or may not be associated with in their professional or personal capacity. Any content provided is not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Thank you for listening.